All right, so this is episode number four, and uh, we're going to talk this week about right and wrong ways to handle the text, right? Yes, I think it's important uh, as, as a listener, and if you are in a uh, teaching, any, any kind of teaching uh, ministry, it's important to understand, and, and if you are in a, in, in in any teaching ministry, I'm sure that you know some of this stuff already, right? And if you don't, um, it's uh, it's vital that you kind of at least know the information so you know what you're getting into. Uh, I, one of the things that I tell everybody is that it is important if you're going to be in any teaching thing to uh, take at least one class. And if, and if you're going to take that class, let that be a hermeneutics class because it would, it, it would, it will really help you on, on your ministry. All right. So hermeneutics is, um, how would you define that? It's this way of doing biblical interpretation. Yes. Well, uh, in, in a technical meaning, uh, it's, it's often described as uh, the science and art of biblical interpretation. Right. And within hermeneutics, there are a lot of, uh, there are at least six fundamental uh, ways to interpret the text, right? So you do some uh, exegesis analysis, six exegesis analysis uh, that the people use. Uh, and, and it doesn't have to be in a certain order. People, depending on uh, whoever the teacher or the preacher or the pastor is, they have their own way of doing it. Uh, they you know, you can make it your own, but you have to have an understanding of what these analyses are, uh, so you can, so you can learn how to, uh, how to break down the text uh, the right way, right? Not, not, and there's a lot of elements. We'll talk about it uh, as we go through today. But basically, that's what it is, right? It's just the science, uh, to, to the science and art of biblical interpretation. And so, when you're when we talk about interpreting. It may be important to note that we're we're kind of always interpreting the Bible, right? Every always. time we look at it. So it's not a matter of whether or not we're doing interpretation. It's a matter of how and how, how good it. Yeah. Because because we always we always do it, right? If you are if you if you read the Bible, if you do devotionals, if you um uh, if you're a believer and you are reading your Bible. Uh, it, it isn't automatic that you are already thinking about the text. And so you're interpreting that text automatically uh, with uh, uh, one way or the other. And, and, and sometimes it might be the right way. Sometimes it might be uh, not the right way. Now, there is a um, there's a leading of the Spirit of God that draws us in, right? And he reveals things to us. Uh, but there is a, there is a way that, that, that the text, in order for you to apply it to your life, you have to understand what he's really saying, right? Uh, now, the application and the, 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 the holy living and, and, and the drawness to God, uh, that's, the, that's what the Holy Spirit does. He does that. He, he, he draws you in um, and, and, and connects you with God, right? So, uh, but at the same, at the same time, uh, one of the gifts to the Spirit is uh, being able to, to interpret the text, right? I think... Uh, um, Timothy, 2 Timothy 2.15 uh, 
he says that he that the, he commands believers to be involved in hermeneutics. Basically, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who correctly handles the word of truth, right? And so that is hermeneutics. Um, and so so there's a call for that, uh, and it's a part of the, of the gift of the Spirit. All right, so we're going to talk about this week. We have uh, three big words. Yeah, that's some, some last week, nerd. Just one, yeah, nerd words. Yeah. Um, so the first is exegesis, which means to take out of, right? Or I think you lead said to out of. lead out of. Yeah. So basically exegesis is the exposition or explanation of a text based on careful objective analysis. The word exegesis basically means to lead out. That means that the interpreter is led to his conclusion by following the text. Right. So basically the text gives you the definition. Uh, and, and, and so that is, that is the right way of doing a Bible study. That is the right way to, to, for a teacher or, or, or a pastor um, to do it is through exegesis and exegesis is, is to lead out of the text. Right. Uh, and, and so um, it is what the text gives you. Uh, and, and that's what, um, that's what your conclusion comes out, uh, comes out, out of what the text gives you. Mm-hmm. So uh, I guess an, an example of this would be maybe the easiest way to illustrate, but I, one example is uh, in Revelation 1, it has some imagery there, like it says there are lampstands and stars, right? Yes. And then Immediately after that, he explains it, and he says, these are the angels of the churches, right? Correct. So um, one way that we can get something out of the text is just to read more of it or to see where it's used somewhere else. And and that sounds kind of silly, but... (laughs) But it's true. Yeah. not, Not only that, but the scripture kind of proves itself, right? So... Um, there's a lot of references and a lot of connections. Uh, and, and so, um, it, it, it kind of connects to that definition in a way. Mm-hmm. Another one that comes to mind is, uh, Psalm 82. God says he sits in the divine council in the midst of the gods. Right. Yes. And so we, maybe because of our tradition or just our beliefs that we've built up, we have a we attach something to the word God, Elohim, that maybe isn't as cut and dried as we thought. We need to go and read other texts. Yes, I, 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 I actually um, I actually posted that verse one day, right? And and, and um, somebody commented on that post, and he says, "Yes, that what that means is that God sits uh, in His council in the church." Uh, and, and that's how they took it. That's how they understood it, right? But God sits in the council of the church, mm. among the council of the church, right, and, and the nations. And, and I was like, that, okay. And, and, and so, you know, that is not necessarily the, the, the definition or the thing, the, the explanation to that verse. Um, but that is, that is a perfect example of kind of what exegesis is, right? What is it that is coming out of that verse? 
What is it that we're learning from that? What is it that God, what is it that the word is saying there? Uh, and a lot of times, especially when the text is weird to us, um, it is important for us to understand that when the text is, is that weird, it, is, it should be an invitation for you to really understand it, to, for you for, to really study it, uh, not to run away and come up with your own conclusions. Hmm. That's good. That's a good point. And uh, if anyone was to dig into that, you would also find that that word Elohim is used to refer to Pharaoh at one point. And so there's got to be more to it. And I think that's a, when we talk about exegesis, it's important to know that we need to humbly follow it. And it might be a lifelong pursuit. It is a lifelong, it is meditation literature, right? So it is a long, a, a lifelong. That's, that's why, um, that's why the Bible speaks to you in different seasons and with the same verse, it means something for you today as you go through life. 10 years from now, it will speak to you in a different way because it's meditation literature. Um, uh, it, it is there, right? And, 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 and that's how good it is. Yeah. So that's our, uh, I guess we would say exegesis is what we are aiming for. That's what we want yes. to do, right? That's what, that's what you should want. You should want, you want to know exactly what the text says. Not what you think, uh, not what everybody thinks, not what the culture think, thinks, um, it is what the text says, and you have to understand it on its own context, right? And we'll go through that later on um, when we, uh, uh, when I tell you how, you know, the six points of hermeneutics and, and whatnot. But but you have to be a, be honest with what the text says, even if you don't like it, uh, and 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 do not put your definition or your conclusions in it. So mm -hmm. so exegesis is sticking with the text. Oh. So we have two um, counter styles of inter interpretation that we're going to talk about. Yes. One is eisegesis, which is the opposite of exegesis. It means to, to read into or that, right? Yeah, so, and, and that, is the, that is the most popular one, to be honest with you. <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately, that is the most popular one, right? Uh, eisegesis. Yeah. And, People that do it, they actually think some people are. They actually think they're doing the right thing. They actually think that that they're doing exegesis instead of eisegesis. But this is the most popular one that most people do, right? Uh, it is uh, interprets the passage based on a subjective, non-analytical reading. Uh, the word eisegesis means to lead into, which means the interpreter injects his ideas into the text, making it mean whatever he wants. And if you think about it, we all do that. At, at some point, we have done it, right? Yeah. Uh, and so we have to be careful with that. Can you think of an example? Of um, I can think of a couple. One, one of my favorites is um, there was a group who took a part of a verse that says, and God gave them a plant. And they chose to interpret it to mean, we can all smoke marijuana. You know? <laughs> yeah. Now we're not making any. <laughs> um, but that one's kind of silly, but there is a, an example in um, Zechariah 13 where uh, there's a prophecy and he talks about uh, receiving wounds in the house of my friends, right? 
And <laughs> people look at that and they go, that's messianic. Well, it's actually not really. It's uh, talking about a priest who has these ritual cuts on his body, right? Yes. And he's saying, oh, no, I didn't. That's not what it is. I, I accidentally got wounded playing a game. <laughs> and when he gets called out on it. But, yeah. you know, we tend to read into it what we want to. Yeah. Because it's uh, so easy to do, right? Yes. Uh, another one that is, is, is popular, right, that everybody quotes, where I know the plans that I have towards you, says the Lord, the plans to prosper you. And, and, and mm. we use that verse all the time, right? When we're sick, we want to encourage somebody, we use that verse all the time. And, and then what if you don't get prospered? What if you don't get, you yeah. know, so, so in order to understand that verse and to be applicable, we have to understand that that verse comes uh, from a place uh, when the people of God were on exile, right? And it was for the people that were on exile. It was a promise to them. Uh, and so we have to understand that before we can apply it to our lives, right? Because if, if we don't understand it, then the application is completely wrong. Uh, we use it uh, to, to, to put our ideas in it, right? And it has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with, uh, with people in exile and, and the promises of God. Another verse that we use all the time is, especially in small groups, or, or, or I guess we want to encourage ourselves when we have meetings and a lot of people don't show up and just like two or three people show up. And so we say, ah, wherever two or three are gathered, God is there. Right, we yeah. quote half of a verse there without understanding that that particular passage is, is more about reconciliation mm. uh, and, and the witness of, of reconciliation than than it is about gathering together. Right. So, what do you mean that when I'm by myself, God is not there? Right. When I'm praying by myself, God is not. So, so, so we use that to kind of we throw it out there without thinking about it. Oh, God is here because it doesn't matter if anybody show up, but it's two or three are here. Right. Um, but the passage itself is talking about, you know, reconciliation with your brothers than it is more about about how we use it. And yeah. so those are examples of I see Jesus. Right. We, we, we put our own ideas into the text. Um, and, and so uh, we that is the most popular one. Everybody grabs the text, quotes it, throws it out there. Um, and, and the sad thing about it is that a lot of heretic ideas have come from this, um, from this method, right? Uh, we start, you know, the whole idea of name it and claim it comes from this method. Mm-hmm. We, you grab a verse and you think that, you, that, that, that this is what it means, and, but, but you're not God. You cannot name and claim things, right? Um, or, or, or the idea is... Uh, you know, I read a book that the, the the great I am or the I am uh, by a popular uh, by a, by a popular pastor in the United States, uh, and, and so does you know that I am is only Yahweh, right? Mm. Uh, it has nothing to do with my abilities as a human, and so we grab these verses and we bring very uh, heretical ideas into the church. Because instead of doing exegesis, we're doing eisegesis. So what do you think about the this thing we've heard where if you're if you don't understand the passage in the Old Testament, just put Jesus in the middle of it and it'll make sense. I mean, is that eisegesis? Uh, 
Yes, in a way it is. And then that's a very lazy way of doing it too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. So, so we all do that. Now, do get me wrong. All of uh, the Old Testament leads to Jesus, right? But there are um, events that deal with the people of Israel. There are events that deal with the world. There are events, there are things that, that, that even though everything leads to a savior, it has its own story and its own meaning, its own culture, its own background. Uh, and if only because you don't understand it, you're just going to put Jesus in the middle of it and it's going to make sense, then you run in the risk to put Jesus in the wrong place. Mm. All right. So our third word, third nerd word is Narsa Jesus. Yes. Uh, and, and this is a word that, that, that hasn't made it to the, the dictionaries yet but it is a new concept that everybody you know that 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 we know and basically this is this comes from the, the word eisegesis right and part of that word and then part of uh narcissism I mean, we know what a narcissist is right and so when you narcissist uh it's uh then you basically what what you're doing uh uh and this is the, the, the expression is often used to describe the process of interpreting scripture from a highly personal and sometimes even selfish perspective, right? So it can be defined as the explanation of the Bible in a manner that shows excessive interest in oneself and emphasizes one's own beliefs, right? So, uh, and, and this is an issue of pride more than anything. Uh, this is an issue of pride, right? Um, whenever we, uh, we do these kind of translations or, or we see that, um, it is a very dangerous one. So, by the way, because uh, um, we grab examples from this and, 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 and we make them like we make ourselves right. We make ourselves know it all. Uh, and, and there's no room. There is no um, I'm never out of fault here. Mm. Can, can you think of any of any examples? Um, well, the, the one you gave was David and Goliath. And uh, yes. I like that example because we do tend to to say I'm David, you know. Except when when we get to the story of David and Bathsheba, I don't want to be David anymore. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. I'm I'm either uh, I'm either Nathan there or uh, right. And so it uh, it, it is a very it, think about it this way. Whenever you're reading the parables of Jesus, where do you see yourself in that parable? Mm. Oh, most of the the good one. Most yes, most of the time we see ourselves right next to Jesus pointing the finger to the Pharisees, right? That's where we we see ourselves. We see ourselves in Jesus. We see ourselves next to Jesus pointing the finger, but we never see ourselves as the Pharisees, as the one of fall, as the sinners, right? Uh, uh, that is that is basically narcissists, right? Um, we are Peter when he walks on water, but we're not Peter when he denies Christ. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, it, it becomes a very selfish, uh, very selfish thing. We we are the heroes of the story, but we never the ones that fall. Yeah. So does that mean that uh, if we're going to interpret correctly, we should always play the part of the villain? Or <laughs> well, you you see, if you believe that the word that God has given us is to 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 do what He says in Timothy. Right to inspire to 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 transform us to uh to change us, 
uh, and, and we believe uh, what he says in Hebrew that is alive, then, then we should see that the word is doing some, something in us. It's revealing the sin in us. Um, uh, and we are sinners, all of us. Even saved people are sinners. We should live a life of repentance. And, and, and the only way a lot of times we are able to see that and it's going to be revealed to us is through the word. So, yes, at a certain point, we have that, that God is speaking to us to change our ways. Yeah. He is, um, uh, we call that, uh, you know, some people call it holiness. Uh, uh, but, you know, the process uh, of restoration, the process where God is taking you from glory to glory. Um, and, and so every season in our lives, there's room, there's room to grow every season in our lives. Um, the, the word should be speaking to us. Uh, and, and, and there's not a point in our life that we can just sit there and say, I haven't figured it out. I'm, I'm right. Everybody else is wrong. Everybody else is a heretic, but I can, I, I would always get it right. Right. Um, when we have that mindset, there's no room to grow and there's no room to learn. Mm-hmm. That is, that is a very narcissist way of, of, of being a believer in Christ. Right. I mean, think about it. Peter went with Jesus, um, and, and he was in Jesus ministry. Uh, then you, we see him in Acts. He gets up in Acts 2. Uh, he delivers a sermon. I mean, it, this dude is on fire. Then later on in Acts, we find him uh, having a discussion with uh, uh, Paul when he, when Peter was in the wrong, right? Uh, um, and so Peter was learning still, even though um, all of that, that happened. And so as believers, we go through this, through this, through this thing that we sh- the word of God should always change us should always speak to us because God is speaking to us and he's correcting us and he's guiding us through the whole process. Hmm. So how do we take it personally and apply it without injecting ourselves into the the story, you know? Yeah. uh, So you see that the Holy spirit, um, the Holy spirit that that, does that for us, right? Uh, I don't care how good you want to tell people you are, you know, when you have sinned, you know, when you have mm. uh, um, not done the right thing. And if you read in the Bible, you know, because that's speaking to you. Right. Uh, and, and so on a personal, intimate level with you and God and his word, you know, when you are a fault. Narcissism, narcissism is when you come in front of people and you think you want to let them know that you haven't figured it out. Um, you're not vulnerable. Uh, and and, and that, that makes you a liar and a hypocrite. And, you know, most Christians, we are um, accused of that. And, and, and for a good reason sometimes, right? Uh, but you have to approach it in a way that, in a way that if you have a relationship with God, you want God to speak to you and you want to tell him, reveal to me through your word where it, I'm at fault. Where is it that I need, you know, uh, uh, David in Psalms 51, he pleased with him, right? Um, uh, and, and, and he asks him to do a miracle, which is to create a new heart uh, uh, because the one he has is not good. And so we have to come to that place of humbleness in our hearts uh, when we come to God because being in the presence of God, you already automatically know that, that we don't amount. We're not, you know, we're sinners. Um, and so we have to come to that conclusion within our lives that our father is using his word to speak to us and to correct us. And either we listen or we ignore it. Mm-hmm. 
So I, another, I, I didn't mean to get all preachy on that one. <laughs> that's what. That's how you're made, right? Be who you are. Uh, another example might be uh, in prophecy. There are passages that talk about Israel, right? And sometimes yes. we want to adopt that for ourselves or include ourselves, but sometimes it it doesn't include us. And and honestly, sometimes it's a little blurry, right? It is. So so we were so there we get into some dispensationalist and and and, and covenantal yeah. theology. That probably should be something for the future. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, we, we always see ourselves as the heroes. We always see ourselves as the chosen ones, right? Uh, we claim to be Israelites, and what we say is we're spiritually Israelites. Well, no, we're Gentiles, right? Uh, and, and so, yes, we are adopted into it, but, but we want to grab other promises that there are for, you know, and, and so we want the good things, but we never want to deal with the, with the things that, that's why we have a God. I think uh, it's, it's the book of Psalms that says that um, the mistake that we have made is that we have created uh, a God after all, our own image, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we have this God that is full of love, but, um, but we don't believe that he's a God of discipline, that he can discipline us, right? Uh, or, or, or that he is blind to the sins that we commit as saved people. Uh, and, and so all of those, all of those things you have to take under consideration. Do you really think that that's logical? That's, that's not even logical, right? That's yeah. not even logical to believe that, that our God that is well-balanced, that is perfect in all his ways is only a God of love. It's, it's, it's not logical, right? Because, um, he, he's also a consuming fire. He's also, uh, uh, he would also discipline his children, right? Um, so that's that's understanding of the whole word. That's exegesis right there, right? Not just grabbing one part, eisegesis, and then doing it just all about me on the hero part and being narcissistic with it. Yeah. Yep. And anybody who wants to uh, claim to be, you know, part of the spiritual Israel, you can just read Ezekiel 16 and see what God thinks of <laughs> Israel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So you want to get into hermeneutics and kind of how to do interpretations? Yeah. And everybody at some level are doing this, right? Um, if you have taken a hermeneutics class, you, you, you're doing this. And, and, and this is, the hermeneutics, man, I'm telling you, it's good for everybody, um, especially if you feel led to teach or, or God is calling you in, into that. Right. And everybody has different methods. Right. Now we're talking about methodology here. Everybody has different methods on how they uh, how they approach it. I can I, I can tell you about my personal method on on on, on how uh, uh, how I go about it. Right. So um, there's usually six main methods. Right. I probably have about eight that I do. Um, and so I do a preliminary summary, which that means that before I, I know the, let's say we have a theme. Let's say we're going through, uh, we're doing, um, we just finished uh, Haggai, right? We just finished the book, book of Haggai. So I know that that's the, that's the book that we're going to be preaching on. 
Uh, and so the first thing that I do is that I, I pray. I pray that God leads me in, in this process of studying his word, that he leads me to, to be humble uh, and to stay with what the, the scripture is telling me, not to insert my own ideas into it or, or make it seem about us or about our culture, but it make it seem about to, to give me really um, what, the, what he's saying uh, in, in his word, right? Uh, then I read the text. And after I read the text, I summarize it. Uh, just just summarize, just just like if you ever done Bible journaling, it's basically what kind of it is, right? Uh, uh, I, I put my personal observations in that summary. I write everything that pops out of the text from words that I don't understand or, or I think they're going to be meaningful, uh, situations, uh, things that seem strange in the text. I write all of that in my in my. Uh, in my preliminary text, right? Um, then after I do that, I do a historical cultural analysis. Um, and this is, uh, I consider the historical cultural environment in which uh, an author wrote to understand his allusions, references, and purpose. So basically, uh, I try to figure out their cultural context, how they view the world in their time when they, as they write this, right? Um, not how I view it, not how um, we view the Western world today, but how they view it in their in their own uh, cultural and uh, cultural context. Um, and so, I do an analysis of that. Uh, then I do a contextual analysis. Uh, this is the, where, where you consider the relationship with the given passage to the entire passage surrounding it. Right. I'm going to give you an example of what, how that looks like. Um, Jesus and the parables. Uh, usually when Jesus is, when we grab a parable, um, we grab a parable and we read a parable, right? A contextual analysis will be that you read um, why did Jesus is saying this parable. And sometimes that's going to take you four chapters back when a Pharisee came and asked him a question. And Jesus goes on a ramp and he decides to give you four or five different parables. Right, the prodigal son. The prodigal son is about the the, the uh, it's about the older son more than it is about the prodigal son, right? But but it, it is uh, uh, on the bottom of, of a whole bunch of other um, parables that talk about things being lost, the last coin, uh, and, and so you have all these uh, these uh, uh, these other parables. And in order for you to understand and to do a contextual analysis of what Jesus is saying and why he's saying this. You have to go back and you have to read everything, right? So you read it in the whole context of the scripture. Um, another example is what I gave earlier about, about that um, where, uh, where two or three are gathered, right? If you just grab that verse and you do that, then, you know, it, it, you have to read the whole passage and you realize that it's talking about reconciliation with your brother and, and all of that, right? So uh, those are uh, contextual analysis. You read the whole text, what is around it, what it is about, right, uh, to, to get it. Uh, then this one, the next one is, is, is a bit complicated, right, to do this one sometimes, at least for me it is, uh, it's the lexico-synthetical analysis. Uh, this is where you deal with language. Uh, you, uh, you develop an understanding for the definition of the word. That is lexicology, right? And then you, once you do the definition of the word, you see how that work is related to another word 
that is called syntax. And so you do this to understand accurately the meaning of the author that he's trying to convey, right? Um, so you basically, uh, in, in, in Hebrew especially, one word could mean three, four different things. And so you have to see that definition and you have to see how they're applying it to the next word. Uh, and so you do a, a lexical synthetical analysis. Then uh, you do a theological analysis. Uh, you consider the level of the theological understanding at the time of the revelation was given. Uh, and, and, and I know that sounds uh, a weird because we think we all have the same theology. Well, think about this. Moses and Abraham did not have the same theology. As a matter of fact, Abraham did not even know the name of God. It was only revealed to Moses later on. Right? So you have to consider that. What is the level of theology that, that he has? The, 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 that means that what are his thoughts about God? What, how he views God and all the people that he is referring to or the people that he's talking to in the text, right? And so that is a theological analysis. You do, uh, uh, you know, what is the original uh, recipients? What is their theological view of it? Um, in, the, in the Old Testament, you see all this um, talk about sacrificial stuff, um, about a lot of cleansing stuff. Uh, so that has to do with theological analysis. What is the theological view? What is the theological view in that culture? So you kind of tie this, tie this with the cultural context, right? Uh, to, to see and understand that what, what was their view of God? And, and, and you realize that it's not the same view of others later on in, in the Bible or even with yours today. Then you do a, uh, a literary analysis that just identify the form of method used in the passage, the genre uh, of, of the literature style. Uh, you, his, you, know, you, you realize if this is a historical narrative, if this is a letter or an epistle, poetry, um, and, and that you have to understand that because you will treat a narrative different than you would treat poetry because of the symbols and the hyperbole and uh, you know all these other all these other things and, and, and so uh, a perfect example is, is of, of narrative and poetry is in the crossing of the Red Sea in the in in the first in, in the verse before it, it, it gives you the narrative of how they cross the Red Sea. Right, the next verse, uh, Moses' sister breaks into a song, and she describes the same thing, but she describes it in, in a poetry way. And you will see the different language that, that she uses and, and the symbolism that she uses in there. Right, so that's you have to understand that that the the, the literary style, the literary style of of the text, um, and then you do a if uh, I, I skip this part, right? But it's a comparison analysis. This is where you go and you look at um, a commentaries and you compare what you have to what other people have found. Um, and and um, a, lot, a, lot, a lot of us, what we do is that we skip all of this. We skip all of this uh, uh, analysis and we just automatically go to the commentaries, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and we live on commentaries more sometimes than we live in the Bible itself. And so, but that's, that, that should be, you know, almost the last, the last analysis that you do when you already did all these other analysis to figure out what the text says, then now you can compare it to what others have said. And you'll realize, Oh, 
man, we got the same thing. God revealed the same thing, right? Or maybe there was something different that you didn't see, uh, but this is where you do it. And then after that, you do an, the, the application, right? So that means that, uh, that, that you translate the meaning of the biblical text, the biblical text that had for its original uh, audience into the significance that it has for believers in today's time or, or, or in different time and culture, right? And so now you can now you can apply it the right way because you say, okay, that's what it meant to them. And this is the application that I can grab for me today. Or this is how I can teach it today to God's people. This is what God is speaking to us in our culture. But you have to understand it for their culture first in order for you to apply it, right? Um, because if not, then you're going to have some very, very weird theology uh, when you just apply the application mm-hmm. out of what you read and you don't understand. So that's kind of what that's kind of what the process I go to. I know it's a lot of process, you know. I know it's a long process, and I know that not everybody does this, um, but most pastors do. And 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 most pastors and teachers will tell you that they spend um, any anywhere from twelve to twenty hours of doing this analysis to write a sermon that you will probably preach thirty minutes, forty five minutes, or to write a lesson that you're gonna teach somebody. It, these guys that that they do a lot of work and people don't understand sometimes uh, that when they sit up there, uh, they wish they had the time to give you all this information that they found about the uh, about the text, but they can't. Right? They, they're limited and they just trying to get your attention to the high points of the lesson and apply it to you and give you the application. Um, but there's a lot of work involved in it. If you are really going to understand the text, that's hermeneutics. That's that's the method of study so you can teach and you can, uh, or you can preach. Mm. I hope that was not a whole lot, a whole lot of stuff. Right? <laughs> I mean, it is a whole lot of stuff, but, um, but hopefully we'll, we'll have something. If you're interested in this, you can email us or you can uh, drop yeah. us a message. And we have we'll show notes you. up online. Yes. Already. We'll give yeah. you, yeah. We'll, we'll give you this information if you're interested in there, in, in it. Right. And, um, but yeah, that's basically, basically kind of how it goes. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to point out, um, it, it does seem like a lot, it's daunting, but there's some really good tools out there. Like blue letter Bible is pretty amazing and it's easy. Um, faith life logos has a free edition that has tons of info you can get. It's all cross-referenced for you. Um, and you don't have to, I mean, if you're not teaching, you don't necessarily have to do 20 hours worth of study. You could kind of hit each one of these points or maybe half of these points and get a lot out of it. Yes. Yeah. But uh, also, hopefully this gives you, uh, um, this gives you enough information so you can start thinking, on the preachers and the pastors that you listen to, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, and you really start thinking: Are, are they really in there? Are they really doing this? Are they really saying the right thing? Are they really, or they just grab a text and mismanage it and uh, insert their own ideas in it? Uh, uh, so, uh, this is where you where you get discernment um, when you ask the Lord to give you discernment as well. Yeah. Uh, that's a good point because you can identify when when a preacher has done these things because they make reference to historical or cultural events or uh, 
you know, especially when it comes to culture, they'll, they'll talk about how things were um, in terms of context, you know, they'll relate the passage to others. And um, one of the things that I'm curious to hear your take on is how this relates to uh, proof texting, you know, because that's almost the opposite where we just take a bunch of scripture that says kind of what we want rather than drawing this out, that drawing out the meaning. Yeah. And so it, it, it becomes, um, this is where it becomes complicated for the teacher, right? Because you grab a main, a main passage. And as you go to the, to the breaking points or to the lessons, you bring other passages into it. Right. Um, and you have to understand if those passages really relate to your passage and you making the right connections and or, or not making the right connections, right? Or, or only you making something that it sounds like it, it, it. And so the teacher have to explain how this text relates to this text, right? Um, I think I made a, a Sunday, we're talking about Psalms 51, and, and I made a connection of the garments that David was making the, 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 the connection with, he wanted to be cleansed as the garments, right? Uh, grabbing the language from Leviticus, where it talks about bodily fluids and the uncleanness of the garments, yeah. right? And so that's what he was saying is not only that it's dirty, but it's, it's unclean or, or, or unholy, uh, and he needed to be clean with for that. And so that connection, I have to explain that. I cannot just say that David was necessarily talking about that verse he makes a, an, an, an assertion of it. And there's a difference between quoting and, and asserting something, right? When you quote, it's a direct quote, and you can tell that the same theology, the same idea is there. When it's an assertion, then you realize that he's using that language to, to present his idea. One author is using that language to his idea as an example, right? And so that's basically what that was. And I have to, I have to explain to people this is what he's talking about. I don't know if that makes sense. I don't know if that answers your question. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, so the same language that Ezekiel used when he said, your righteousness is like filthy rags. And it's an allusion to, not to get too gross, but to used menstrual cloths. Yes. And yes. that's, um, yeah, so that's, that is interesting, but that's not, um, that's obviously different than somebody who just quotes 47 verses that all. It, 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 the hardest thing is that every, every verse you quote, you either have to explain it or you really have to tell people how it relates. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of times when you're studying and you're doing this analysis, you kind of have to grab that text and, and analyze it as well to see how it relates. Right. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's part of, it's part of the work. Yeah. That, uh, yeah, I was going to say think, something about I, I, analyzing sermons, but that, maybe that's <laughs> off topic. <laughs> no, but, but I think, as, and, and you know, you, you have this mind, um, how, whenever I, 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 uh, I'm, I'm in the audience and I'm listening, uh, to, uh, to our associate pastor or to our teacher pastor, uh, preach, I come in with the heart 
with the humble heart, not trying to analyze what they're saying. I'm, I'm saying, Lord, speak to me in a way that I can honestly use your servant to speak to me, right? Um, of course, I'll go with the mindset that these guys are, um, are doing the right thing, right? Uh, I trust them on, on uh, and, and of course, I'm human. I'm also not consciously analyzing it that way. But every time I hear a verse, I, I can see how it relates because of what I do, right? And so, um, so yeah, uh, when you are in the Word of God and when you do this, it is easier for you to say and understand it. And it's more clear to you when you hear somebody preaching. It's clear to you what God is telling, is telling you as well, right? Uh, so, yeah, you have to prove. You have to, uh, um, you have to make sure that you're getting the right thing. Um, it reminds me of the, the Bereans in Acts 17. Paul said they were they were more noble because they searched the scriptures to prove if what he was saying was true. Yeah, and so he he didn't get upset. Yeah, Paul did not get upset. He was actually he called them nobles for it, right? And so when you have a preacher that gets upset about you trying to you know then then there's an issue there, right? Because look, I um uh throughout time God has taken me through different blessings in my life. And one of the things that I, uh, that we decided to do here at our church is that we want to send every, every note um, of the sermon. I want you to take it home. I want you to study it. And, and if you have any questions, let's talk about it. Right. Um, and, and, and so uh, I'm not trying to mislead anybody uh, and, and, and if you feel misled for something, then we want to talk about it. We want to uh, see where, where uh, be honest with the text, right? And so I shouldn't be upset if somebody is text proving me. I should be humble enough to say, I probably got it wrong. Let's, let's, let's go. Let's, let me go back to that and let me go study. Let me go pray. Um, now, if you're just doing it from a critic, you have a critical spirit and you're just doing it for division, that's a whole different story. That's a whole different yeah. You, you have to know what you're talking about before you come and analyze because some of these pastors, they, they, they have a gift and God reveals things to them. Right. And so if you're going to go and criticize and analyze them, then you better be ready because they will bring scripture in there. You know, yeah. also occurred to me that uh, when we read commentaries, we kind of do, I said Jesus also, you know, even on commentaries or like you're yes. saying on sermons, hear what we want to hear. Yes. So if we haven't done this kind of work, um, you know, to dig into scripture, to analyze it, um, we, it's almost like we can't get as much out of it. You know, if you're just at the surface level, there's, there's not a lot there. And so, it might be easy for people to get discouraged or bored with Bible study. Do you, yes. you agree with that? Or? Yes, I do agree with that. Um, I do agree with that. And then, you know, we are, we are all different, right? There's people that get excited about certain things in the scriptures, people that don't want to deal with certain things on scripture. Um, and depending on the gift that God is giving that, that pastor or that teacher, 
and the abilities that God has given, because at the end of the day, it all comes from God. Um, God knows, and you just have to trust the Lord on that, right? But uh, but there is a there is an intentionality uh, for somebody that is coming to learn. There has to be an intentionality. You have to open your heart and your mind to what the Lord wants to speak or teach you. Something beyond just Bible reading, right? Yes. We're moving into getting deeper. Yes. Maybe maybe next episode we will talk about different Bible study methods, right? Because look, uh, as long as you're reading the Bible, you're already doing something right, hmm. right? Uh, and, and, and there are different Bible methods that you can do, um, devotionals that you can do, right? Uh, uh, and, and so you got to start somewhere. I know today we talked about these things because the whole exegesis and eisegesis is a big deal. Um, at least it's a big deal for me on, on how we interpret the scripture and, and, and how we can mislead people because of it. And, and it's very dangerous. Some people... Some people do it not intentionally, they're, 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 you know, but there's people out there that intentionally have commercialized the gospel mm. and they're intentionally knowing the truth are misleading God's people. And because we live in a culture of, uh, um, we live in a culture of that everything is media, everything is uh, uh, very Hollywood. We tend to follow these teachers that they make false promises yeah. Uh, and, and, and yeah, so they do it. A lot of these guys, they're doing it because they're making money out of that or they're becoming famous or, you know, uh, and so it, it is, it is a big deal for, uh, for us, all of us to understand the difference. So we know when we are being deceived and when we're not. Yeah. That's good. I mean, I, I guess it goes without saying, but I don't have a problem with the teachers making money, right? But no, I mean, um, no, I'm not saying we that. We do have a problem with teachers preaching false gospel, claiming yes. it's kind of a touchy subject, but it's an important one, right? No, yes, it is. Uh, um, it, it's uh, the, the, the issue becomes when you're using the gospel not for what it was intended. Mm-hmm. The gospel is intended um, to to reveal to us the good news that we are sinners and that we have a savior, um, right? Uh, it is about the, the, the death, life, and resurrection, Jesus Christ. And, uh, but a lot of times we want to, we don't even talk about that. We don't, we don't want to, there's some guys out there that they're not even telling you what you got to be saved from. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and so you can just go to the church, Live however you want to live your life. Be however you want to never be challenged. And all they do is just encourage you to keep doing whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah. Um, and, and so it is not an issue of, it is mishandling the gospel, using it for the wrong reasons, not for what God has intended it to be. I think that's the danger. You what people know, and they use it as a means to make money. It's different than, than, than somebody getting paid for doing uh, a work that is good, um, right? Then, then somebody using it to get wealthy. And so it, it, it is a touchy subject, right? Um, but it is there because, look, let's be honest. The scripture and the gospel will offend us, if, especially if we live in foul, 
in mm. rural offenders, right? Um, and people don't want to go to churches like that. People don't want to be in play. They want to just feel good about themselves, right? Um, we have this self-help mentality. Give me three points on how can I make my life better, and I'm God. Uh, uh, and so um, it, it is not popular. So these guys in small churches that are being faithful to the gospel, they're struggling. Some of these guys are struggling. They have full-time jobs, and then they come and preach, and they do, you know, it's, it's, it's a it, – it, so no, they I, I don't think it has anything to do with the idea of getting paid. It has more to do with um, how you are using the gospel. Mm. What is the reason behind it? Yeah. Well, that's a good uh, that's a good wrap up there. Um, you you did mention earlier that uh, we are all theologians. I think you said that right. There's a book called "Everyone's a Theologian," and uh, it doesn't mean everyone's a good theologian, but we ought to to maybe try to be better than yes. we were yesterday, right? <laughs> yes. 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 Um, pray and read your Bible. If I have any words of wisdom, pray and read your Bible. All right. That's good. That's a good simple message. All right. Anything else you want to add to this? No, that's that's it for today. If you have any questions, if you have any um, any information you want, um, email us, send us a message, uh, and we'll get we'll give you all this information that we talked about and whatever you want to know. If you have any biblical questions, we don't know at all, uh, but we will find out. We will give you an answer and. And, and, and we're going to pray. If you have any prayer, uh, any prayer requests, we want to pray for you. Uh, so let us know. All right. Yes. Indeed. All right. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us today in Rediscovering the Bible. More information, including study notes, can be found at rtb.para.church. If you have any questions about this episode or content you would like us to cover, send an email to rtb at cypressfellowship.org. RTB as in rediscovering the Bible. Good day and God bless you.